Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. This podcast is a conversation between an architect and an anthropologist, and I'd like to introduce the anthropologist, which is Thomas Yarrow, who's just written this wonderful book, Architects, Portraits of a Practice, which we're going to deconstruct a little. And so Thomas Yarrow is an anthropologist at Durham University, and I suppose to put his work in the broadest context, he works on or is very interested in knowledge as a social practice. In this book, it's a book about architects, and I'm an architect who still has one foot in practice, but also an academic. Uh, My name is Prue Childs. So welcome, Tom, and thank you very much for this book. So if we could start, perhaps, about you being an anthropologist and about how, as an anthropologist, you came to this project. Thanks, Prue. So I guess there's lots of different ways that I could tell the story of the genesis of this book. One is at a more academic level, as you say, I've always been interested in knowledge as a social practice and really what it means to to claim to know things with authority and, and what that actually looks like in a very kind of everyday register, what kinds of dilemmas arise, what's the kind of the, the personal but also the intellectual kind of substance of that knowing um, so that's and, and and as part of that, I've had various projects which have had touched on architecture, but never kind of um, as the main focus. And so, in this project, which also um, partly and importantly had its genesis in a much longer and older friendship um, with Thomas Miller, who's the, the um, one of the practice partners of of the um, architectural practice that the book focuses on. And Thomas really is my oldest um, friend. I've known him actually longer than even I can remember. Our our parents were were friends and we always met up. So I've seen um, um, his life before architecture was even part of it and then how it got tangled up in architecture and how he made sense of himself through architecture and not always in an easy way, sometimes slightly falling out or rejecting it or there was a period where... Um, he practiced really try, um, doing. He wanted to d- connect design and, and build, so he spent a long time as a sort of builder, basically. So I've I've sort of traced it and, ch- and charted that, and I suppose this book was a culmination of that friendship in a lot of ways. Um, but it was there was a shift in a sense, and to some extent slightly awkwardly, although productively, that um, an interest in you know with him about the world and all these projects that we did we went traveling together we built things together then became slightly asymmetrically kind of more academic interest of mine in in his world and so although i hope the book is a kind of um uh, it's not about that friendship in, in any sense but it's certainly that friendship was an important kind of context and i think without that it would have been difficult to have sort of had the intimacy and, yeah. the, and the trust really to tell the story in the way that I told it well it, exactly and that's uh, what comes out of it for me in such a generous way is that the book starts with the premise of you 
in a way being enchanted with the, the kind of architectural world, the architectural life through your friends and your upbringing. And, um, uh, and I, I really, when I was reading it, felt that you were having to think about your ways of working, uh, your ways of uh, analyzing this practice, because of your uh, of your deep knowledge of of one of the participants in this study, and so maybe we could talk a bit now in a bit more detail um, about your approach to your sort of ethnography, because you say very clearly, and I, I don't want to say everything you say by any means, but um, you say very clearly that uh, the book is written on a number of levels, that you can read it in a number of different ways. And I got very involved in looking at great long footnotes that you write where a whole other academic world of literature appears as well. So, but I think this is, this is to me, in a way, the most interesting thing about the book is your processes of writing, your ethnographic processes of writing. So can you say a little bit uh, about that and why you wrote the book like you wrote it and a little bit maybe about the structure of the book? Yeah, I mean, and maybe if I just step back even before that, yeah. then I could say a little bit about the, the, the method of, of, of how I kind of gained access to this um, world, because I yeah. think of ethnography both as what, what, you know, what we do in order to try to understand people's lives as anthropologists. And then also, it, as you say, it's very much about a, a way of, of writing about that. Um, so the, the, I mean, the, the, mostly what I did was um, there's an anthropologist who refers to ethnography as really being just deep hanging out. And so that's a lot of what I did was just floating around the office, um, getting as involved as I could, really. So I did a lot of um, talking to people, talking to people as they worked. Also a lot of um, even getting involved in the design processes, getting involved in the in the crits that they did, going to see clients and really just... Um, just following people around and talking to them about what they did and sometimes trying to do that. Um, as, as part of that, though, the writing really started before I left the field. Um, so, and more than any other project I've done, this was a really collaborative project, um, which I think partly is because architects, or these architects anyway, were so reflective on their own practices and really interested in it and, and aware of it, and not always with the time to reflect in as much detail as perhaps they, they would like in such a, a busy environment so I wrote pieces which were sort of reflecting on what I was seeing and hearing and then reflected those back and then that also folded into um, they did uh, a number of interviews they recorded between themselves but often in relation to things that I had observed Absolutely. so it became a really interesting kind of um, reflective and dialogic um, process and then actually through the writing of the book itself um I think having architects or practicing architects as 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 one of the audiences I hoped to write for was actually really germane to to how I then wrote. So my experience was that initially that I'd started sharing some of the early drafts of the book, and um, I think although they were kind of kind and generous in what they said, a lot of the th it was a fairly conventional academic monograph, and a lot of the theory. Um, which I suppose I'd hoped was kind of where the general and the big points came through, actually were what they seemed to be really turned off by. So I I then started thinking about, well, how would this look like as a kind of a, an experiment in ethnographic writing that took away, or, or as you say, a lot of it's in footnotes, um, those kinds of 
interventions in academic literatures, which if you're not already part of that conversation, then probably those are going to be the least interesting parts. So in a sense, it's a very conceptual, I mean, it's, it's a conceptual book in the sense that it comes out of my own reading in and around anthropology, um, engagements with various literatures, really. But I, I wanted to sort of turn that around so that it, it was more using concepts to describe in as hopefully as rich mm. a possible way. Um, and really to bring out the kind of multi-strandedness of this practice, it's... it's um, architecture is just about so many things and, yeah. and to tell that story in the kind of a big hopefully a big human sense it's not just about knowledge as a sort of domain it's about how that tangles up people's lives in all these really intimate ways which um, as I've said already was partly that came out of my friendship with Thomas mm. as well have you seen that so here, I just want to say here that for me, of course, having one foot in both worlds, what's really interesting is someone taking in an interest in in who and what and how an architect is in, in the world. And um, as an ethnographer, I think we are very interested in ethnography generally because it helps us as architects understand people and the people who might be our clients. So ethnography and anthropology is a way that a lot of architects and sort of academic architects um, write about architecture as well, but from an architect's point of view, not Mm. from an ethnographer's point of view. So um, in a way, to me, one of the most interesting things was you have this huge range of references from all kinds of architectural figures or figures that are very popular in architecture, from Mm. Richard Sennett to to Tim Ingold, you know, all the bit, and and then much more architectural ones, Jeremy Till. and, And yet it is for us sometimes those unknown anthropologists that obviously very well known to you that is of a huge fascination as well so and but the way it's referenced it's very easy to get under the skin of it so the layers I feel do sort of cross over yeah I mean I hope so I suppose I had two two kind of main audiences in mind well three really actually one one is uh, particularly practicing architects I hope can kind of recognize and see the resonances and I hope those resonances go in lots of different ways yeah yeah, absolutely Um, but then also in a way I kind of conceived that hopefully somebody who's not an architect you know a a kind of a a long-suffering partner or or somebody who might be thinking about getting into architecture and well what's it actually like that was the kind of most fundamental question to me or clients What's it? Or clients, indeed, or or other building professionals. So to try and take a stranger into this kind of weird and wonderful world Mm. that is full of all these kind of things that people assume because they just do it, these things that go without saying because they come without saying very often, and the kind of get inside of that common sense, which, of course, isn't actually common once you start opening it up. It rests on all these assumptions. So to try to tell it in in that way. So... Yeah, there are so many people I think that, that this book could reference, and I, maybe I've hijacked it for the more academic kind of uh, side of things and in architecture, which is huge. The way we educate architects, you touch on, and which can be quite uh, painful and draconian. But actually, we we've had a number of discussions about this. That actually, it can be a really rather wonderful education. Uh, you know, liberating your making, your thinking, mm-hmm. um, your learning, um, your your problem solving. You know, it's a problem solving, but but it does have its stresses, and it's a long. It can be a long and stressful education. There's many different types of character teaching, but I think that comes over. That um, I think a lot that we are a product of our educations as as well. In, in a certain way, I don't know. 
Is there anything you want to Yeah, I mean, I suppose there is that kind of vocational ideal. Um, maybe it's a sort of Bauhaus-related mm. one and the idea that the sort of person has to be deconstructed and reconstructed. And it's a very, yeah. it's a sort of a very fundamentally it's a process of self-transformation. And I think uh, in recent discourses, there's often a tendency either to romanticise that mm. uh, or to yeah. completely demonise it. Mm. And I think I wanted to sort of resist saying that necessarily it was about either of those, yeah. but, but to try and trace the different paths that specific people take and how they see their lives as having been changed, you know, through their engagements with architecture. But also the other side to that, I think, you know, peculiarly, certainly unlike more scientific kinds of um, knowledge, who you are outside of your architecture is actually very central to who you are as an architect. Yeah. And that's partly what's trained in, actually, isn't it? A, a kind of an ability to tell that story in a convincing way for clients, yeah. for other architects and so forth. So that these sorts of self-narration are actually key professional things that you do as architects. So I was, I was interested in that. Um, because also an architectural education is quite uh, academic, quite you know you do history and theory and uh, uh, many others and there's and there's a, a lot of kind of theoretical emphasis put sometimes on projects and uh, as well as uh, practical and so there is always this um, you know kind of or maybe a dialectic maybe just a much bigger problem of of, uh, of theory and practice together yeah. and uh, and and the predominance of one or the other and I think you deal with that in a very interesting way and um and you use your very interesting words of kind of thoughtful practice and I know that became for me a big theme in the book of how you approach your ethnography being a theorist yeah. and looking at practice so could we could you sort of say a bit more about that yeah I mean I suppose um so I think I think that's very gratifying to hear that those resonances are there for you. And I think for me, um, it, not just in architecture, but in architecture, um, there, there's a tendency to align theory with thoughtfulness and practice with a kind of process of mere implementation. And you kind of get that within the structure of the education that the professional stuff, the kind of part three stuff is the kind of unsexy, unglamorous, it's just procedural. But um, I guess the way I would see it, so I, so I hope more generally that the book is trying to recover a sense of the, actually the creativity of those professional mm. practices, including mm. actually quite routine meetings and yeah, dealing yeah. with clients. There's a theorist I like called Donald Shun who talks about the art of the specific case yeah. and the way in which often in, a, in, in lots of different forms of professional practice, we overlook how much creativity is required to fit sort of abstract ideas into messy, complex, specific mm. realities mm -hmm. And where you have all these kind of contradictions and choices that emerge in that sort of fraught, tense, difficult space. And and so, yeah, I think wanting to celebrate that and to see, see it not as lesser to theory, but also not opposed to theory. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in some ways, I mean, I sort of imagined the book uh, at one point anyway, I don't know if this really works, but as, as a kind of effort to trace what what concepts do you know through through those practices um actually within the practice that i was mostly focusing on they have this bookshelf at the end of the you know which has a lot of the kind of canon of architecture mm -hmm. so i was mm -hmm. thinking well how is that canon actually internalized lived put to work and what what has to happen it's very it's a profoundly creative 
a profoundly interpretive act. It's not just a process of um, implementation or proced- sort of procedural process. So yeah. I think that's what I wanted to highlight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's interesting you mentioned Don Oshone, actually. We haven't yeah. talked about this before, but uh, I think um, he's sort of gone out, out of fashion a little bit with, with architects yes. reflecting on their practice because I, I'm glad you acknowledge that I think uh, the architectural education is is necessary reflective practice, but perhaps Don Oshone, because of the period he was writing more, uh, is less good on architects collaborating. You just talked about in that sort of collaborative way that architects work. It's mm. more about the individual creative mm-hmm. process mm. and uh, and the way that um, architects always work in teams and mm. and you mentioned this as well that this uh, you know in in the book and and work often in a participatory way when they can when uh, you know uh, as well. But that's something I actually want to say about the book is that um, coming from a, an anthropological background, reading a lot of the architectural canon of literature, I think makes us as architects look at that literature in a slightly different way. I, I, I really found that. that I said, oh, really? That's, is that what I missed that completely from the architectural reference or whatever? You know, and uh, so I think that's really great when non-architects are reading you know we read other people's literature as architects I think a lot because as an, in, in, in academia because we need other people because it's such a broad subject but sometimes we feel that people don't read architecture yeah. literature I think yeah. that's one of the great things about I mean uh, you know interdisciplinarity can, can be a bit of a cliche but actually it's those kind of borrowings and, and misreadings yeah. often as well absolutely um, uh, can be so to, actually just I'm just thinking about that would you where do you think that is this book uh, is is this book architects portrait and practice is this an architectural canon now or in anthropology or it's a truly interdisciplinary book um, I mean that's a really good question I suppose I always think that I'm writing from a place but that, that I hopefully I'm not writing to that place. And I think of mm. that in terms of actually the, the practice, um, uh, which maybe I should say a little bit more about is yeah. the specific nature of the practice I'm writing yeah. about, but also in terms of my disciplinary um, position. So, I, I mean, I've, I tried to read widely in, in architecture and architectural theory, um, but fundamentally I'm engaging with that as an anthropologist Mm. but I hope that I'm not writing for other anthropologists and I I do see this as being an issue particularly with the kinds of research audit that we have so much in at least in the UK Mm -hmm. at the moment that we tend to write for a disciplinary audience because that's who's assessing our work and so we we have to map out an intervention in terms of a a disciplinary debate and if Mm. you're not already part of that debate you're not part of that canon well, you might not care so much about it. So I, this is deeply informed by my engagement with other anthropologists, but I'm, I'm not primarily writing for other anthropologists. No. And I yeah. hope, so I hope the resonances are kind of there for architects and I hope the resonances are actually just for people beyond that who might be interested in, well, what's creativity or how do we live a good and 
true life in a world that makes it really difficult to do that because it's so contradictory so we haven't got onto that that all the subjects you do cover which are as broad as from creativity to the more contractual side of uh, architectural practice but just tell us a little bit more of what type of practice you think the practice that you're writing about yeah so um miller howard workshop are based um outside of london which um it is sig- significant yeah. you know a context where so much of architecture revolves around the, the london scene i guess and they do have a sense of themselves as peripheral um although i think that sense of peripherality is not uh, itself not un- uncommon um in in terms of that for, for practices outside mm. of london um, well, I think some in London would even and, say and, that. Yeah. They were around about, they had 10 uh, staff when I was doing the research. Um, they were relatively young practice, so the two practice directors were in, in their late 30s at the time of the research. Um, and they do a kind of mixture of uh, mostly uh, domestic, new builds, also some sort of smaller public sector pieces of work. Um, and, th- and their own trajectory is quite interesting. It came out of the two practice directors having spent quite a lot of time themselves trying to really connect uh, architecture with with building. Um, and so they, they spent quite a lot of time in their 20s actually um, designing and building things. And then as the scale kind of got bigger, that, that it's lost. But um, it, I guess it, it mm. carries on as a sort of interesting craft and interesting, well, how do you work with builders in a kind of collaborative way and and, 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 um, and, and also in their kind of interest in the building building practices and, and building as, as something that is, it, it's not just what you do once you've kind of got your design, but, um, you know, an interest in model making and the kind mm-hmm. of material basis yep. of, of, yep. of ideas, yeah. Which... Um... Yeah, and I just wanted to um, go back, because we were going to talk about this a bit at the beginning, just go back a bit, that of course there have been other ethnographic studies of architects, uh, notably, you know, recently Albanianova's one, but a much more high profile, if you like, architectural practice, when I think where a lot of the issues were slightly different, and and I think the approach was slightly different, wasn't it? How, how, How do you feel you... You fit in with these other ethnographic studies. Of- yeah. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I should say how kind of inspired and helpful yeah. I've found. Um, uh, really, all of the there's not a lot of ethnographic yeah. writing no. about uh, about architectural practice itself, but but there's a small and growing body of work yeah. that's that's really useful. Um, and I think what all of that does is it it really highlights what actually happens, not what architects say about mm-hmm. what architecture is, but actually, actually what, what they do, what happens in an office or on a site. Um, I guess um, I think mine is maybe a little bit different. It's in conversation with the kinds of science and technology studies approaches that Albana, Neva, um, and others have, have drawn on. But I think it also tries to put that more in conversation with actually an earlier, more sociological body. So I found um, Dana Cuff's work actually really helpful because I think she says a lot more about how architects kind of conceptualise that relationship between their work and their life and the, the kind of vocational ideals um, that are behind that. Um, so I've, I've found her work really interesting to think with. I don't think much of the existing literature looks at, um, I mean, perhaps partly because it has tended to be enchanted by these bigger, uh, more well-known practices. Um, just the kind of very everyday 
um, processes, particularly the kind of non-design related um, practices. How do you manage a contract? Mm. The endless meetings that happen. You know, meetings are kind of boring, but they're also I find them really interesting spaces. And so, sort of thinking about how actually how much of architecture is is also about these kinds of things, and I think trying to perhaps a bit more than other studies to dwell in those kind of quiet moments, those unglamorous moments and to poetry is probably too grand a word, but to sort of see that, the, you know, actually what is um, important about that and, um, and not overlook um, those kind of quiet. So I suppose how I slightly would translate that in which I think is to me what I, I was picking up from the way you do it. It was about the, forming of relationships all the time and actually creative architecture um, certainly for me comes out of uh, forming good relationships with other Mm. people whether it's your clients um, whether it's other communities whether it's um, builders hugely important whether it's other consultants Mm. the better relationship you have and better understanding you have and I think that's in those moments so yeah so um, the creative moments in meetings is what you're saying is, is is as important as actually sitting in front of a screen or <laughs> with a model or whatever in that in that early creative process. Mm. So you do talk about creativity quite a lot, and you bring some really interesting references into that about creativity. What are the other really big themes that you think came out of the book? I mean, I suppose that my my overall interest, and I think that this relates to the stuff about creativity, and it relates also more to the practices that are about implementation. So you've got a design, but how do you create a building? Mm. As you say, that's partly about negotiations with builders and with clients and all those kind of many unpredictable things that can make it not happen or not happen in the way you want it. So I think a lot of it I see as being about how do you know in a world that almost infinitely exceeds your ability to grasp it. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's not yeah, a, yeah. a peculiar problem for architects, but I think it presents itself in a very pressing form mm. because you're, you're in these interstitial spaces, unlike a lot of forms of professional practice, which actually circumscribe a domain quite narrowly. You've got so many elements, there's so many elements to a building, so many different kinds of experts you're dealing with. So it's a sort of this jack-of-all-trades idea or mm. knowing a little about a lot. And um, and I, I really want to sort of celebrate and highlight um, the, that that active kind of not knowing, which is a, a kind of, I mean, not all architects are, are, are modest and humble, but I think there is, uh, you know, potentially something in that that you kind of have to be aware of, of what you don't know. Mm. Um and and that's not the same as just ignorance. Actually, it's mm. about a really active orientation to the unknown. Mm. And I think um, that's that's something I want to kind of take out of this. Is, is is that often what architects do is fabricate specific reconciliations to things that are intention, fundamentally intention. They won't. You're not going to resolve it forever and always. Mm. But you're going to bring about hopefully a good solution that's going to work for the people that you're working for. Mm. And that's, and that's not a small thing, even if it's not perfect, mm. it's, it can be good yeah. and that can have important consequences. Um, and, and I think also to say that 
this practice are a, a, you know a, a creative a dynamic a thoughtful practice but in many ways the tensions that they're dealing with are, are, are kind of quite quite widespread ones it's a, a, con, a conservative planning system it's um you know the, all the issues of architectural education the way it is it's the built the building the neoliberal building industry etc etc and um yeah i think i think how you kind of rest a, a, a possible world out of that actual yeah, navigate your way through constraints it constraints and yeah. navigate through it um so another subject that's um that, that really comes to the fore i think in your book is uh, um architects relationship with history and conservation um mm. which as i say in this country is particularly conservative or was i think things are changing now mm. And and I think you've written about that before as well, that you came to this book. But um, this practice that you were talking about is operating in an area of the country which has a, a, a lot of historic architecture and and um, conservation. What, what, what are the kind of key things that came out of that for you in this book? Because I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in your writing here. And again, a lot of great references to look up. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. Um, well, I'm interested in the way that um, so the, the the way in which the past is, I suppose, possibilized mm. through uh, through architecture. So unlike um, in pre- some previous research I've been doing, I've been looking at more um, I suppose rarefied conservation uh, contexts where working with um, conservationists and and these architects are not conservationists, though they're often dealing with listed buildings or buildings in. Um, designated historically designated areas um, I mean I'm interested in how how you project something from a past and and how you how one sort of continues from that in a way that doesn't um, just make it kind of ossify but which which actually kind of so, so how how is the I mean it's again it's about this relationship between the actual and the possible really that I was talking about before mm-hmm. but how, how does that kind of defer to an existing set of contexts and constraints and an existing so so if you're on a site you know what which parts of it's always a process of selection you're never just interested in history it's particular trajectories that, that get kind of teased out of that and i think more generally i'm interested in the the tensions often between different notions of kind of authenticity so the quite routine kind of while they're in they're practicing mm-hmm. in the Cotswolds. So local planners want Cotswold Stone. Mm. Of course, that rests on an idea or a time when there was a completely different construction industry, when we had stone was freely available. So what does it mean to practice authentically today mm-hmm. in, in that context, but in a completely different context where um, builders aren't really used to working in stone in the way that they were? There isn't much stone, it's expensive, etc., etc. So I think rightly they're very resistant to the kind of Sats version mm. of the Cotswolds, but then what does it mean to practice as a sort of? They use this term contemporary vernacular, mm. um, which I guess is it's another between space. It's it's another kind of well, how do you bring these contradictory things to, together in a hopefully interesting way? Mm. Okay, so well, maybe is it time to sum up? Do you think or uh, or finish? Um, well, there's so many things we could talk about this book. So many issues, I think, but I think in a way, perhaps we've covered most of them. Is there anything else do you think that? No, I think that's, that's a good, good place to leave it. Um, 
true. I mean, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd just like to say that I, I'd, I suppose for me, this was a sort of act of faith writing this in a sense, but, but without much faith necessarily, <laughs> that it was yeah. for, I, I wanted to write for architects and I hoped that those resonances would be there. So I still, it's kind of early days in that sense. And I, I, I so I'm really interested in your reflections on kind of where and how and whether those resonances yeah are there because I didn't I didn't want to sort of this is absolutely isn't a book saying this is what should happen and I suppose maybe that is one of the differences and the kind of freedom I have as an as an anthropologist is I don't have a, a normative agenda I'm not trying to say architecture should be this or should be that I'm really just trying to um witness what witness what wit- it is yeah. witness what it is that I see and I think we can't well I I mean as far as I'm concerned I to me, I recognise so much of, um, not necessarily myself, but often myself, but other colleagues, uh, both in practice actually and in academia. I mean, I think this is a book as much for uh, for studying as it is for just reading and enjoying. And and, uh, and I really appreciate that. I think I said in a review that, um, you know, I think this will be a book that's used. Uh, lots of young architects are really interested in their dissertations to be writing about some issues that, 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 that you've written about in here sort of from an anthropologist's point of view but I think in the world generally I mean in the sort of political situation we're in the the bigger agendas here view discussing professionalism and what it is to know and and what it is to be in the position you know architects role has changed over the years as we all know you know we're not necessarily the lead in you know in the whole building process anymore um the way we we haven't actually discussed the whole digital side of drawings on the computer versus drawing and modeling off the computer which is discussed a lot in the book um which is really interesting so i think uh, you're right when you say this but i think this book could be read uh, by many different people uh, lay people just interested in architects but also other professions and other you know we've looked before to other ethnographic studies of other professions particularly the medical profession mm. quite a lot written about things like that and so i think in many different ways this book adds to trying to understand how architects operate which we need to do to ensure, you know, the profession, which, you know, can feel quite beleaguered sometimes, mm. you know, an awful lot of the built environment is built without architects. And uh, architects, like many, like all the other professions are under criticism and under scrutiny a lot of the time, particularly, you know, in the at present, um, you mentioned it, sort of neoliberal environment we live in, you know, how useful are we? And, uh, and so I just want to say thank you very much for the huge amount of effort you've put into this. This book, which I think has been um, uh, and will be very well and is being very well received. And I thoroughly recommend anyone to read it um, to understand a bit more about who we are as architects. 